The Marlins win a stunner in Game 1 against the Rockies, and they were propelled by a big, big knock from Avisel Garcia. Is this now the real Avisel Garcia? We're going to dig into that and tons more with Sean Barrett on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins. It's your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. Of course, guys, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at MiamiMarlins underscore UK. It's right there on the graphics if you're watching on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, hit subscribe. If you're watching or listening on a podcast, hit subscribe. Daily pod, Monday to Friday, five episodes a week. Five episodes from me. And this is the Wednesday edition. And thank you for making Locked On Marlins your first listener of the day. And I'm delighted to welcome back Finally, two-week hiatus while he was getting his Wi-Fi fixed. Sean Barrett is back with me, my co-pilot, UK goat in the house. Sean, how are we doing, brother? I'm doing really good, Pete. It's really good to be back talking baseball with you. Um, it was a it was a long period of time away, and I really I've missed felt you. it. So, uh, but it was much needed um, after the last couple of appearances. Some shaky internet needed resolving. Glad to be back. Absolutely, and listen, mic check one, two, three. The this is coming through clear, smooth, no choppy, no choppy waters here. So absolutely great to have you back. I missed you, buddy. No doubt, it's t- it's tough doing it, mate. Without without my UK go co-pilot in the house. So, mate, there's been so much that's happened in the last two weeks. So much, like, and, and even in the last day or two, there's been tons. So this episode could be could go in a few different directions. But I wanted to start with the present in game one from last night. And it's got me thinking about a few things. And then we'll kind of go backwards too, because there's been a few other kind of real major milestones that's happened while while we haven't spoken. So yesterday's game, the Marlins, they squeak it out 9-8. They were down big. They came back big. They piled it on. Then they coughed it up. And then Cooper Loop, of course, a perfect time and Sean's back on the show. Cooper Loop uh, came back and, um, and got the win for them. Uh, uh, Tanner Scott in the end, closing it down. So it was a fun Fun game, no doubt. I particularly wanted to talk, though, about Avisail Garcia. However, reminder, guys, this episode is brought to you by Sports Card Investor. You're going to love this, today's episode. It's brought to you by the Investor app. Welcome to the world of trading cards reimagined. Stay tuned later in the show for more information on this awesome new tool for collectors. You're going to want to check out the Sports Card Investor app. And Sean... From an investor app, if you're a sports card guy, if you're a baseball card guy, Avisel Garcia's his price should be skyrocketing. He's he's had a rough start to his Marlins career. There's no doubt about it. However, he's been sneakily good in June, and it is sneakily good. I think we've been biased by the early part of the season, but yesterday for me felt like a a bit of a watershed moment for Avisel Garcia. The home run he hit in a big spot. In a game, the Marlins were trailing, and the type of home run it was all felt different. Where are you up to with Avisel Garcia right now? It's been it's been a struggle, hasn't it, to begin yeah. the season? <laughs> uh, and the chatter about it has been it's been pretty harsh, and to be fair, mm. it's been pretty fairly harsh as well. 
I mean, not only statistically has he looked poor, but he's also looked, you know, he's failed the eye test as well. All those mm. grounds to third base. And I don't think I ever quite got to the point where I was like, let's get, you know, this was a mistake, let's get rid of him. But there were certainly some games and some plays and some at-bats where I certainly was saying it to myself and, mm. and maybe quite loudly as well, uh, because it's it's been poor. Um, but as you said, he's starting to heat up his June numbers starting to look a bit more representative of where we are as far as expectations for him pre-season. Mm. Um, he, the way I look at it is very similar to where we were with Duvall last year. Mm. You know, Duvall, uh, you know, in into May was hitting below 200, had a, a, a WRC plus into the 70s. And, and we were saying, you know, what's, what's going to happen with this guy? We can't have him continue to hit, hit sub 200. And after that date on the 6th of May, he went on an absolute tear, hitting mm-hmm. left, right and centre. A couple of games in Atlanta, I'm sure, helped him out. And I think that's where we are looking at with Avi now. It is a case of he is warming up. He's got a 230 average, a 73 WRC+, plus, but he's warming up. Mm. Um, as poor as he has been for the Marlins, you know, it's it's not that much of a stretch to say, you know, a couple more weeks like this, push those numbers up to league average, a couple more home runs, especially key home runs in, in games where that he's either taking the lead or or helping out in games where it's close. It is important in my eyes. You know, a home run when you're 7-1 down, well, nice. It doesn't really you know push the needle. We need Abby to start to perform, especially when he's batting in such key spots in the lineup. You know, he's never been moved down, or at least not much, down into like the seventh or the eighth hole. He's been hitting in that sort of three to six spot pretty much throughout the whole of the year. Mm. So when we're relying on him to do those kind of things, what we're seeing in June has been, you know, has been a ray of light for sure. I agree. Uh, just yesterday, the home run, if you haven't seen it, it was up in the zone, well up in the zone, and he went up there and got it and went, you know, right center field, just about got over, you know, 380 or whatever it is out there. I don't know. It's pretty deep, but I I loved it's the type of it's the type of ball that Abby's been getting nowhere near at all year. And there was a there was a ball, a pitch earlier on in, in, in the at bat, I think the first one where it was it was called a strike. It was a ball. Avi knew it was a ball. He gave the umpire a look, and I, and you know we were joking before off air, Sean, that you know if if, if Avi says it's a, a ball outside, then the ump should be should be probably agreeing he, with him. For a guy that chases as many pitches as he does, if he's yeah. not swinging at the pitch, it most certainly is a ball. No doubt about it. But I think when you kind of strip everything away with Avicel Garcia, the the problem we faced as a team, is we invested in, in Avi, 50 million into Avicel Garcia. That's a big chunk of the Marlins' budget. It really is. And you just need... The optics are so bad when you've got effectively your major signing struggling for the first two months of the year. And the Marlins... It, you know, the season going... Wonk, I mean, in May, it was fully wonky. I mean, that May has sunk this team. It really has. And you you need, when you've got those guys, the optics are bad. The team is is going on a terrible run. Your big money signing is the worst hitter in the lineup. Like, it's so, it's such bad optics for us as fans. Like, we just, 
you're looking to those guys to juice everyone up, to be the spark plug. And he just really wasn't. I think that's the problem. There's just been a bit of a PR thing as well with Avi. I was saying this maybe to myself on a solo pod or maybe the takes were made last week. I forget. Reminded, guys, there's five episodes. So I do I do a lot of recording. It's hard to remember which day I say what. But I do feel like there's been a bit of a PR problem with Avi too. Like, I haven't heard him speak to the media. I haven't heard him, you know, he hasn't contributed in many big ways. So he's not been doing post-game, you know, hey, that was great. We did this walk-off hit, blah, blah, blah. Avi's just been a bit of a passenger. I haven't heard from him, but I hope that changes. And I hope we start to see the real Avicel Garcia soon. The problem is, Sean, I don't know where your head's at right now, but for me in the last two weeks, like nothing's changed really. The Marlins continue to carry on playing under 500 ball. They look like an under 500 team right now. What about you? Well, they do ultimately. And, and we are at the point now where you're making decisions. Are we, yeah. are we buyers? Are we sellers? Are we are we bringing up those top prospects? I think I don't think that that's too much of a pause. I think you bring them up either way because you want to see what you've got. But you know the guys like Aggie, and you've already mentioned the idea that you know he's mm. he's on the chopping block um, because you know we want to see Leyva Diaz, we want to see Hayar come up, and, and and those are the those are the decisions that the team are at the moment making, sending these guys down. Um, and not hurting their development, but if not now, when? Because I think even if you're a competing team, you want to see these guys coming up and seeing what they can do. Uh, and if you're not competing, almost certainly you want them up as well. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's decision time already for the fish. And, you know, there's some obvious candidates that we've talked about, I've talked about. I want to go back in time now and ask you about Heyra. Lewin Diaz, that whole situation, because obviously there was um, you know, a couple of guys going down on the COVID IL. We know what that means. It's usually a short stint. The guys came up. They got some playing time. They both performed in different kind of ways um, or had some big moments, um, but inevitably uh, were optioned down. Let's hit the pause button on that sec, guys, because as I've already teased out, um, there's, there's a fun, fun new ad, guys. There is a fun ad, no doubt about it, sports card investor app. So... Welcome to the world of sports cards, reimagined. And the Sports Card Investor app is the hobby's most powerful resource. Quickly check the value of your favorite cards, find great deals and profit from the hobby you love. Available completely free. That is completely free. Google Play and Apple App Stores. Sports Card Investor app is a must-have for baseball fans. Sean, I can't recall, are you a are you a card collector? Are you into that game at all? I have I have a few select cards here and there. Oh, um, but I, I wouldn't say I was a hardcore card collector for sure. Okay, well, this app may help you anyway. You know, listen, it's completely free. I've already mentioned that. There's over six hundred thirty thousand cards for every sport, not just Major League Baseball. So, and there's hundreds added each week. You can check the latest values for your favorite cards with seven day or thirty day charts. Find the best prices and buy directly through the app or with our eBay deals feature. So if I was looking at cards, if I was thinking about it right now, I know what I'd be thinking about. I'd be thinking about Max Meyer cards right now. Right now, Max Meyer, in my opinion, is going to be making his major league debut in, in a couple of weeks. And I think he's going to be lights out. I think Max Meyer is going to absolutely burst on the scene. I think we should be doubling down on those on those cards, no doubt about it. So get yourselves in there, have a look what Max Meyer 
cards are going for. The other name I'd be looking at too, JJ Blood A. JJ as well continues to have a good season. And I know Heyrar and Canacion's come up and had a bit of a stint recently, but I think there's a good chance JJ Bladé also gets a shot at some point in 2022, and it would not shock me if he absolutely scorched it as well. So tons. This is the beauty of us as Marlins fans. We've got so many prospects knocking around, um, so we can really cash in on this hobby here. So what have you got to do? As I've already said, download the Sports Card Investor app today. It's available for free in Google Play, Apple App Stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com slash locked on. Okay, Sean, we talked about it. We've teased it. We've mentioned it a few times. Lewin Diaz, Heirard, and Canacion, they were sent up, the two Jesuses, onto the COVID IL. Uh, that's That was, at that point, three Jesuses on the IL with Lozada as well. Um, it was an opportunity for the guys, and both of them saw, I think they had two starts out of the three or four. Um, so they got some playing time. What's where's your head at now with this one? Because for me, let's start with Lehman Diaz. He's blocked, fully blocked, has been for some time. It, he's been mismanaged, I think, in some ways, and he's been treated a little bit poorly by the Marlins and been treated like a lower level prospect. However, where's your head at with Lewin now, based on what you saw, what you're feeling? Um, you know, where are the Marlins actually inevitably going to go here at first base? Do they do you think they they believe in Lewin Diaz? I, I don't think you can say that they do because, I mean, obviously when we had last year with, with Aggie and Coop, I think I remember hearing something it might have been missed saying that he'd heard or he was reporting that had they known that there wasn't going to be the DH, they wouldn't have had, you know, they wouldn't have had all three of them in the lineup. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at, the, at this point, I mean, with Aggie, and I, don't get me wrong, I love Aggie, and, and we've we've talked hit, talked him up a lot over over the years. But ultimately, we're talking about an aging first baseman. When you've got Lewin, who we know is defensively an elite first baseman, and he's been absolutely tearing up in AAA, you know, it is that point of he's got nothing left to prove. Now. I'm having flashbacks to saying that about Isan Diaz a year or so ago, and that never turned <laughs> oh out well. But he deserves his shot. You know, he deserves his chance to make it or break it. And you know, if we are at that point now with a man's team that, you know, I'm not quite ready to say they're out of it, but it's you're you're on a knife edge right now, mm-hmm. um, and I don't see a a statistical reason that Aggie is going to be any better than Lewin. And and we've got to give him that opportunity. We've got to give him that chance. And ultimately, I am asking the Marlins to make a financially prudent decision. Yeah. Like, so the fact that they don't make that decision is, is really perplexing to me. Agreed. I spoke about it the last couple of days. Like, my mind is completely made up with Jesus Aguilar, for sure. They are not extending Aguilar. There's been two years of conflict between the Marlins and Aggie. They've thrown out, uh, I think Danny Alvarez talked about it on the pod a few weeks back with me. They put out and maybe an extension offer that was like below market value. And it was just, it was never going to work. The Marlins weren't serious about extending Jesus Aguilar. And I don't think they are. And I think even if they don't trade him, which I'm 95% sure they will, 
they absolutely won't extend him. This is the end for Jesus Aguilar this year as a Marlin. He's a big clubhouse presence. He's been a great waiver wire pickup, no doubt about it. He's he's absolutely performed. But to your point, Sean, Lewin Diaz, he's a league minimum dude, one of the Marlins' best prospects, and a sensational glove. No matter what you get offensively, it's a real sexy glove. We do get a bit distracted by the glove, though. I've got to be honest. Like we do get distracted by that. Um, the bat has to. The bat has to play. Yeah, I mean, the value at first base as an elite first baseman is still only very negligible. Yeah. So yes, the bat does have to play. But what at AAA says that he he hasn't got that bat? You know, the the numbers yeah. are there. And and yes, you can say it's AAA, and you know the power's inflated over there. But ultimately, he's he's done what he had to do. If he was hitting two twenty with five home runs, we wouldn't be having this conversation. The fact of the matter is, he's been offensively a very good player down there, and it's yeah. time to see if he can replicate that at the major league level. Yeah, really is totally is. So let's flick it over to Hiran and Canacion. Uh, I'm sure we spoke about him. Preseason, where I said there's a there's a chance that we see Herrera and Canacion at some point this year. The Marlins need to see what there is. If he starts quick in the minors, there's a chance we will. If you have an injury or two, because he's on the 40 man, so it always meant that there was a chance. He got his chance. He came up. He's been mashing this year, um, and I've said this as well on the pod. The Marlins they seem they they seem unkeen to ride a hot hand. You know, if someone's scorching in in the minors. They don't seem willing to go, do you know what? Let's get him up there and let's enjoy this two, three-week period. They don't do it. They wait until they flamed or cooled, and then they bring him up. <laughs> then the problem is, but nevertheless, Heyran Canacion came up. If I'm honest, mate, it was a stunning moment. Sandy start, no run support galore. Heyran and Canacion, an oppo with a barpo salami as his first hit. What a moment for Heyran and Canacion. Oh, it was fantastic, and and the the scenes afterwards with him and his family, you know, they yeah. were they were fantastic. They were exactly what you'd like to see as a fan. Yeah. And I think yeah, we've spoken a lot of times about Hayward and mm-hmm. the idea of like he's you know def- defensively deficient, and there was never there was always that question. This is pre DH we were talking about him. Like, yep. what 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 are we going to do with him? Can he play first base? Can he fit in one of the corners? As it stands, you know. Do you want him just as a DH only? Maybe, maybe not. But if he can play 75% DH and the rest of the time, you know, <laughs> fake it till you make it in the outfield um, or at first base. And especially if you're moving Aggie and you're moving him around, mm-hmm. you know, that flexibility still, there's still enough flexibility within this, this roster that you can fit him in. And I think offensively, again, it's the same with, with Lewin. You know, he's shown everything he can down there. And I think it is time to see him. And, and yeah, I mean, the, the performance he had, the, the, I think he just got the one start. I think it was just the one game that he actually got the start. Um, obviously, you know, with a home run. But even just the at-bat, and now we're talking real small sample size, but, you know, there was a there was a ball on, on the pitch before that, you know, he started to go and take his base. Mm-hmm. And he called him back and said, no, 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 that's a strike. Yeah, um, and then you know to get back into the the batting box as as a, a pure rookie, and then go go oppo. It was mm. it was a fantastic at bat, stunning at bat. It really was because you're right. They he, he he could have walked. I think he fell behind in the count early on as well. Fought his way back, and it was just yeah, it was a it was a a top at bat by a rookie 
making his first ever start with the bases juiced. <laughs> and the game was on the line too. We shouldn't forget it. So, and against Seth Lugo as well, who is no mug either. It's not like there's, you know, just a meatball server there. It's not the IKEA canteen. Seth Lugo was out there. The Mets want to win these games. Like the Mets are all in there trying to win every game. So there was no cupcakes whatsoever. And um, top moment, both the guys are then optioned. I guess the Marlins had no option, pardon the pun, but they had no option but but to do that, right? I mean, the, the rationale being you want to send those guys back down to continue in their AAA years, continue having everyday at-bats because the other option would be, well, you keep them around. Do you then option Luke Williams? Do you option Brian De La Cruz? Do you probably waive Astadio? That's probably approaching, actually, as maybe Wendell and B.A. are on their way back. But they're the kind of decisions. But those guys are bench players anyway, right? Like, that's their role. They know they're a bench player. They've got versatility. And I know it's frustrating for us to lose some hitters that can actually impact games. But at the same time, the playing time isn't there for them, right? But how do you feel on that general situation? Like, I understand it. I can understand the club's approach. Nevertheless... You know, when we're, we're starting, I mean, just last week, let's look at it. There was a righty going. I think the Marlins won this game, actually, but there was a righty going. Actually, it was the Sunday game. And Mickey Rowe was hitting hitting cleanup. He's never hit cleanup for the Marlins. It was a righty as well, not even a lefty. Mickey Rowe was in the cleanup spot. It was a full Sunday lineup. So listen, the Marlins, you know, the, the lineup can look a bit thin at times. So it's a long-winded way of saying to you just how you feel about the way they handled it. I understand why. Are you comfortable with the way they handled it? I mean, comfortable is a, is a, is a relative term. I mean, <laughs> ultimately, yeah, I mean, the two Jesuses were down. BA and Wendell are still out. They're hopefully coming back real soon. Um, and I think if we were a month down the line, you know, the, those Luke Williams and the Astadios, they would be, you know, they'd be waived or traded or waived and then moved for a bucket of balls. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, until the team get back BA and Wendell and get a full complement and we get a month down the line, I can kind of just see why they justify doing it. Because if they did, for whatever reason, lose Williams or Astadio in, in wave, waivers or they moved them because of that, then you're talking about a real, like, who are you bringing up next if there's an issue? Like, but when BA comes back, when Wendell comes back, and we get a month down the line, it is that sense of, like, now's the time that if a guy goes down, like, those guys, those the Williams and Astadio and, and Williams, they're not going to be with the team going forwards. And they've done okay. They're not mm-hmm. dreadful. Um, and I do enjoy watching Astadio play because it's, <laughs> it's just, it's funny. It's amusing to me. I mean, I should say that is an adventure. baseball player, but... It's it's it is almost cartoonish to watch a guy that big play the way he does because he plays bless him at a hundred miles an hour. He does like running the bases, taking his hacks. It's it's fun to watch, it but is. realistically, a team that want want to be winning, a team that have got young guys that are, are pushing that door, like he's he's a filler, and 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 that's it, and ultimately. He he served his purpose, yeah, to a degree. But now it's time to start letting these guys play. Yeah, I I completely agree with you on on Astadio. Like at the end of the day, he 
he's been brought in as depth and you know he's there if something were to happen to both BA and Birdie or BA and Wendell or Wendell and Birdie like if if two of the three dudes are down it's after Dio season and that's what happened two of the three were down he's in the mix like he's been with the club a while and so they kind of had him ready sat there in that role the versatility i mean he had a he had an absolute earful from Miggy in one of the early innings last night in last night's game you know a, a hot shot to third base him and Miggy kind of got a little bit crossed up and um Miggy couldn't make a play but you know, Miggy ended up fielding it but i remember like Miggy walked over gave him a real earful at his at his card out was pointing at the card very vigorously um to say as you know Williams stand in the right spot please <laughs> and it it'll, it is a bit of an adventure but you know those guys are on their way back they've done a job i've got no problem with the fact that they've they've optioned you know Lewin and and Heyra back back down and you know it's just part of the process it's just it is what it is and i'm excited though i'm excited to see them later on in the year because we will see them this is the thing like it's not the end for those guys the other question I've got for you, and we've got two ad reads to do in a second, and I'm running behind on them already, but Heyrard Encarnacion, he's only got one option year remaining. So he's got multiple options this season, but one option season remaining. So next year, the Marlins can send him back down to the minors. Before then, at that point, the year after that, he'd have to pass through waivers um, if that were to be the case. So with that being said, um, where... Do, do you think he's maybe increased his trade value here? I've been pondering on this, thinking, is he part of the future? Do the Marlins see him part of the future? But for other teams, they may look and go, hmm, we may have something here. You know, it's maybe now a trade piece that, you know, clears a 40-man maybe as well. Like, I, I don't quite know where Encarnacion is in the organization right now. He was highly touted, added to the 40-man to avoid being uh, Rule 5 and then kind of fizzled, had a you know no play in 2020, injured 2021. He's obviously arrived in a big style on on Sunday, but I don't know where's your head at with this one. Like I I, I have a sneaky feeling that that Encarnacion will be involved in a trade package, at least at the very latest in the next off season. I mean, you, you can't rule it out in the sense of like obviously teams scout you know minor league players across all the teams. I don't think that the, the one Grand Slam has, has changed anyone's mind, for sure. Um, but realistically, it is a case of, like, through the Marlins, if they were to trade him, it would be part of, in my mind, would be part of a package. Because, mm. you know, the, if it was a one-to-one -one player deal, then what are the Marlins getting as far as a player in return? Maybe a bullpen, as a bullpen arm is. or something. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. There's no the bullpen dude wouldn't have the ceiling. I guess they yeah. just. I'm with you on that, mate. They they'd probably be selling to clear a forty man spot. Maybe would be one option. The other one is like a bullpen arm, but more likely, but, like you said, a package. But have we seen enough? Have we given him enough of a chance to prove himself at the major league level for them to say we're ready to move on from him? That we're well, ready to, to trade in for bits because that's what you you'd ultimately be doing. Yeah. Um, well, based and, on the, maybe the, they do, but it's it's tough to see. Based on the leash that Mag Sierra had, Isan Diaz, Lewis Brinson had these guys, Georgie Alfaro to a point. 
less said about that, the better, because Georgie's absolutely blazing it in, in San Diego. And I think I called that as well, saying it wouldn't shock me if he went on and had a great year. But that's a really good point. Heyra has been given 10 at-bats. Um, you know, is that enough for us? And one of them turned into a salami. He also showed his arm. He stole a bag. You know, he had a real great game. Maybe the Marlins should be thinking, hey, maybe we should have a longer look at this dude. Maybe we should. And I guess that's, you know, an interesting conundrum. But the problem they face because of what they've done, the way they've constructed this roster is they blocked him. Avi Garcia is locked into a corner outfield spot for the next four seasons. Soler, it's up, it's up in the air. No pun intended, but Soler, it's uncertain where that will go because is he going to opt out? Where's it? Where's that going to land? You know, it's you know, it, it creates a bit of uncertainty. But let's say Soler is there for the next two seasons too. It's fully blocking Heyrar and Canacion. It really is, and so at that point, they really need to consider: Are we going to trade him? Because otherwise, we're going to lose him through waivers in 2024. So, I mean, I, th- I think the decision can be parked in a sense because yeah, the, the deal with Soler is is 15 next year and then nine the year after that. Yeah, I think at the, at the moment, the way that Soler's playing, I think he's playing above that contract. Agreed. And, and you could almost see him opting out if he opts out. If he opts in for the 15 next year. And has another similar year to, to this year, you know. Yeah, he's so, gone oh, then. He's gone then because yeah. he's almost certainly not going to take that nine million in the final year no. when he can get a two, three year deal somewhere else. Agreed. Um, so in that sense you could almost see the Marlins keeping you know, if Soler opts in, they keep him till June, July, depending on where the year is, trade him away, and that's where Hayride gets his opportunity. But yeah. you're leaving it awfully late. If you're only gonna give him a September call up this year, and then give him June, July onwards next year. I think, you know, we keep saying we want to give him the Sanchez option. You know, last year Dickerson was traded away for a bucket of balls and Joe Panic, and gave the opportunity for Sanchez to, to play. Mm. We're clamouring for that this year. I mean, an argument could be made that we could just do it next year, give him another couple half season in AAA give him an opportunity to play in one of the corner outfield spots at first base. And I don't think he's ever going to be a good defensive player. But the more time he gets, the more experience he gets, and let him do that at a lower level, maybe you could justify it. But, you know, at this point, I still do think he should be at the major league levels. I need to do these ads because I'm running way over. So, guys, sit back, relax, and enjoy these ads because there's two of them. Two US ads with a British twist, and they're some of my favorites. Our boys over at LinkedIn, LinkedIn Solutions. So as the sun comes out, and it is, it has been out here in the UK. I'm absolutely sweltering here. It's ten to eleven, sweltering. Small businesses are back in business. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find people you want to interview faster and for free. So create. A free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. So many people. The network is massive. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions makes it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. 
It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So what have you got to do? LinkedIn jobs, it helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job. Yep. For free terms and conditions apply. All right, guys. Second ad. Second ad. It's in our guys over at bluenile.com. I absolutely love bluenile.com. And you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. So, whether you're ready to pop the question, are you ready? Or celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. If you're thinking about engagements, if you're thinking about popping the question, then Blue Nile, they've got simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Bespoke. Bespoke one of a kind rings. Sounds sensational to me. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and locked on listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. Let's be honest, guys. You're spending more than $500 on an engagement ring. You are. It just is what it is. So get 50 bucks off. This podcast exclusive includes engagement rings. Already said that. Use promo code locked on. That's locked on to get that discount. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Whew. Stunning. I love those two ads. Okay. Sean, there's a few other topics I really want to get into here, and we're 33 minutes in. Almost 34. Nevertheless, we're going to keep it rolling because it's been a while, and we've still got some time before pregame. So, Nick Fortes. I want to talk to you about Nick Fortes because he's absolutely raking. Every time I watch Nick Fortes, he's hitting balls hard. Every time I watch Jacob Stallings, he isn't hitting anything. Stallings, defensive catcher. He is what he is. Let me put this to you, though. Stallings basically is Sandy and Pablo's personal catcher. It is what it is. I'm all good for that. It's working well. Those guys are having career years. No problem. In the other three games, the other three starts, should it be Nick Fortes behind the dish? Basically, taking three starts and two for Stallings. Basically becoming the starting catcher for the Marlins. Where's your head at with Nick Fortes? I, my head is that, that it would be lovely if over an extended period of time and, and more games that Fortes can continue to do this. As it is, it's an insanely small sample size. And, I mean, if it continues and, and you can justify more games, ultimately there's a reason why we've got Stallings in. And there's a reason why, you know, Sandy wants him behind that plate because the defence is is key. Now, Fortes is no scrub. You know, he's, he's not... <laughs> if you look at his defensive ratings, it's literally just above zero. So we're talking sort of Jesus Sanchez-style centre field. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is what it is. Ultimately, he's a backup catcher. You don't get good backup catchers. You can 
bloody struggle to get a good starting catcher. We've uh, seen it. Yeah, yeah, we have. And so the fact that he is, you know, an average defender and he's actually hitting at the moment, it's great to see. But let's let's you know pull the cord on the idea that he should be getting the bulk of the starts. Now, if we're talking in two or three months' time and Stallings is still hitting what he's hitting and Fortes has continued to hit, you know, over three hundred, then there's a conversation to be had. But after thirty seven plate appearances, I think, you know, we can call our jets a little bit. <laughs> what Sean Barrett is basically saying is Pete Pratt is getting overhyped on a player. He's got his, his OPS is over a thousand. He's absolutely raking it, um, for sure. And I've got to be honest, I watched the start. Uh, it was the Dan Castano start against the Phils. So the last time Dan Castano was out, not yesterday. And Fortes was sensational behind the dish. It was one of them days. It was brutal behind there. He was just a wall. And I was like, wow, actually, defensively, Fortes is good. He's He's looking good to me anyway. The eye test looks good. Offensively? I mean, it's just a wild scene. He came up last year, hit bombs galore in the last what week and a half of the year. I think we saw him hit a bomb together when we were in London on the on the last day, if I recall. And he can't stop hitting, you know. So I'm all in the Fortes camp. It would be stunning for the Marlins if an offensive catcher emerged out of this from nowhere and Nick Fortes emerged. Because listen, we knew what Stallings was. We knew he was a defensive first catcher. And listen, guys, to everyone listening in, do you remember last year when Georgie Alfaro was basically a sieve behind a dish? He couldn't block anything. And over and over again, it cost us games. Stallings hasn't cost us any games this year. Not one. So we've lost a lot of... <laughs> we could have been the, the leader in uh, Major League Baseball for two run losses, if or three run losses, if uh, Georgie Alfaro was behind the dish. So. Stallings has done his job. As a hitter, he leaves a lot to be desired. I don't care. Sandy's been sensational. Pablo too. Defense is fine. It is what it is. Stallings emerges. I'd be absolutely, I'd absolutely love it. Kevin Keegan moment. I would love it <laughs> if he emerged. It would be great. So I'm all in that, and I can see him get. You know, listen, the play, the, the way the playing time's working out, like the way backup catchers work. Anyway, he's getting at least two starts a week. I think. There was a period where Stallings, I think, when Peyton Henry was up, played like every day for about 10 days. Like there was no days off for Stallings. But you can see now that's kind of adjusted and I'm all in for it. I'm enjoying it. That's the thing. Um, if, if, if Fortes can actually be productive and that can give Stallings that breather, because as, as you said, you don't want your catcher playing that many games. It's, no. It's bloody hard. And, you know, giving him a blow every now and then is, is going to help him not just defensively, but at the plate as well. You know, you don't want to be tiring these guys out. Once you once you lose your legs, you never get them back. Um, and you absolutely need that for hitting. So I think, you know, a, a playing time split between the, the two of them, however you want to do it, you know, mm. three and two for five, over five games across, and you mix and match it. But two productive catchers would be lovely. I think Stallings, even with the defence, has to get that back going a little bit more. You know, hitting 240 is, is significantly more important than hitting 200 at the moment for him. But, you know, it, it is what it is. It catches you always, you know, you're chasing your tail for offense when you're talking about catches. It is a bit. He had a little bit of a spell a few weeks back, I recall, and he was like barrel, barreling balls. It's hard to say barreling. Anyway, 
he, it seemed like he was on a bit of a run. I was like, okay, Stallings is kind of turning it around. But again, the eye test for him has not been great. Like, it just doesn't look good. You don't feel confident about it. It's funny because, like, think back to last year with, like, Alfaro and his at-bats. I think you always felt something could happen with Alfaro. It often didn't, but you, <laughs> you felt like it could. With Stallings, I often just feel like nothing is going to happen and I should probably just go and get a beer from the fridge. Like, it's one of those moments. Like, it's an advert without it being an advert. I think with I think with Alfaro, you're right in the sense that he had the tools, he had the power, he did, and he, you know, and he had the speed for a cat, not even for a catcher. His, his sprint speed actually is pretty good for a, a normal player, let alone a catcher. Yeah. Um. So the tools were there, so you could almost sort of like convince yourself something's going to happen. It never actually did. No. Um, I think he's had more offensive prowess this year so far. You know, than he did in the, the whole all of last year, but <laughs> them's the breaks, I guess. So what you're saying to me is a highly touted prospect, offensive prospect, came to the Marlins, floundered for multiple years, went to another team and started hitting. I think that's what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Take that as you will, for sure. Um we haven't had the opportunity either to talk about John Birdie. And John Birdie, since we last spoke, has emerged. He's emerged where basically if Birdie's on base, it's an automatic steal. Like, the playing time clearly opened up for Bert, and it's been great to see. But, I mean, he's not just stealing one bag per on base. He's he's trying to steal third. Like, he is. Like, every time he's trying to, you know, steal second and then steal third. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Birdie steals home again this year. Like, I, I feel like he's looking for that. Um, I'd love to see him do it in exactly the same style as he did it in 2020, kind of <laughs> climbing his way to the hands uh, and knees, yeah, hands and knees to the dish. But John Birdie, Sean, he has absolutely arrived. I mean, listen, I said it in 2020; he's the best util guy in in the league, in, in Major League Baseball, in my opinion. And in 2021, it wasn't good; missed a lot of the year as well with a concussion at the end, obviously. But he's fully back. I mean, what have you made of Birdie in his run here? He's been he's been exactly what he was in, in yeah. 2020. And I remember having a conversation over the off-season, um, and we had many of conversations in the off-season, <laughs> but about the, the Bertie's numbers, his actual sort of peripheral numbers, hadn't really changed between the two years, except that his BABIP was massively low. And I haven't got the stats up in front of me because, you know, you as as is our want, we go from, from one guy to the next guy. But exactly. ultimately, Bertie is, is still the same player. I mean, in limited time, in very limited time, he leads MLB in stolen bases. <laughs> so he has that speed. And it's not just the speed. It's it's the, the base running skills. Because, you know, he's, he's not... He's, he's very fast, don't get me wrong. But it is that sense of like he, it almost feels like he knows when to steal the base, mm. when to go. Um, and, and as you said, once he's stolen second base, he's not happy. He, he wants to go for third. And we've seen him steal home, and I'm sure, you know, it would be great to see it again. But Bertie, at the moment, it, you can't give him enough playing time. He's hitting for average, he's stealing bases. You know, it's that offensive and small ball as, as, much as I should be against it as someone who likes the, the sabermetric numbers, Donnie likes a little bit of small ball. Yeah. And and so I can I can see him getting more and more playing time. 
And, you know, the numbers, you know, his, his average is high, his on base is high. You know, you've got to put that guy in the leadoff spot or at least put him in the, the fake leadoff space, spot and put him at ninth. You yeah. know, he should be getting as much playing time as you can justify. And Miggy, I, I don't want to get into a Miggy's slander because it got you in trouble. Well, you don't do it, mate. You'll be blocked. No, I I love Miggy, and I and you can go through all the things I've spoken about Miggy. I wear number nineteen because of Miggy. You know, I love Miggy, but offensively, he has been poor this year. And if you look at it purely as a, a as a business decision that we want to win games, Bertie needs to be seeing more playing time as it stands. Wow. Would you prefer Birdie at shortstop over Miggy Rowe? I, I wouldn't put it so far as to say prefer it. Yeah. But I think he should he should be seeing more of the field. Okay. In limited exposure so far, he has performed. Now, as you extend it into more playing time, if he doesn't like as the same with Fortes, the conversation we've just had, when you give those guys more exposure to playing time, can they keep it up? And if Bertie can, then then what are we talking about? We're talking about we can look at the cold hard stats and say Bertie is currently playing better than Miggy. Yeah. So why and wouldn't you start him over him? It's, it's a fair point. I mean, listen, Bertie's been, I mean, he's been great. There's there's no other way of of saying it. Bert's been great. The stolen bases are, are, are sensational. It's funny because listen, Jazz. Jazz is the, the fastest dude on the team, in my opinion. I don't know that for a fact, but let's just assume that Jazz is fast. I mean, hey, listen, StatCast probably track it, so we'll be able to find it out. Anyway, I'm going to put out there, I think Jazz is faster than Birdie in a straight line. Okay? I also think that Birdie is a better base runner than Jazz. So whilst Jazz has got the speed, Birdie... Has got the nouse, and he can he he he's better at it. The problem with Jazz, he's got no brakes. <laughs> he's all gas, no brakes. That's the problem for him. He's been caught stealing multiple times, sliding off the bag because he's gone too far. So, um, that's the problem. I love Bert for sure. It's been a it's been a great comeback year for him, no doubt. Because I was worried for sure with the concussion situation. I wasn't sure, obviously, with the way the roster was shaping up. Is is Birdie going to be... Is he going to make the roster? We had all these kind of considerations. Will he be tendered? Will he not? But it's been a massive storyline the past few weeks. It really has. Um, and you know, just to go back to Miggy, he, he's heating up too. Like, his numbers kind of look similar-ish to, like, Avi Garcia. Like, started slow and everyone's kind of ramping up. But the problem is, for the Marlins, we're six games under 500. I don't know, 14 back of the division, you know... The problem is, it's so hard. It's so hard because they've, they've sunk themselves in May. That's the problem. We'll look back and go, May was so bad that it just left us sunk. And um, I'm not sure that they have the capacity, particularly with the injuries in the in the rotation, to go on that run, to make it up. Like, I don't know. I'd love for them to do it. Clearly, the guys are heating up. The offense is heating up. Maybe we've solved the closer situation too. You know, Tanner Scott seems to have kind of found that role. It was a bit of an adventure again last night. Walk, walk in the first dude, balls galore. Then he turned it on, and it was like eleven or twelve strikes in a row, and got the job done. So Tanner Scott's kind of eased in. Dylan Floro, Richard Blyer, massive steps back. Those guys, 
Blyer we saw in spring training. He's been he's been terrible all year. Terrible. I don't know what's happened to him. Floro obviously got hurt. He's getting he's just not being great either. Like he's taken a step back. Um, so you kind of left like with the Bassman doing his thing in seventh and eighth. And Bassman, listen, Fish Stripes had it put up there as I don't know if you saw it, Sean, but they they had the um they had the baseball savant uh sliders, let's call it, last year to this year. And I mean, I've never seen a bigger turnaround. Like I really haven't. Bassman has been absolutely sensational. Big shout out, actually. There's there's a new pod about a drop. Um, Noah from Fish Stripes is just about a drop and brand new pod. Um, starting this week, it's episode one, and his first guest, Anthony Bass. So check that out. I don't know. Let me let me dig in and find the exact name because people listening and be thinking, what's the name? Here we go. The podcast itself is called What a Relief. What a Relief, and his first guest, Anthony Bass. So Noah's going to be doing, I believe, relatively frequent, but specifically podcasts with relievers, Marlins relievers, I assume. Anthony Bass on there. But Sean, Bass has been sensational outside of the ninth. Scott's kind of fell into that role. Maybe this bullpen's kind of find it, finding itself, like, finally. I don't know. Um, the other thing I'm thinking about, too, is I do get the sense the Bass man could well be a trade candidate. I really feel that it's it's a high probability. Like, he's performing well. Everyone needs, you know, good quality arms. Um, Bassman, to me, based you know, based on what I'm seeing on baseball savant, is 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 a high quality arm, and so low money. I think there's an option into next year available for Bassman, if I recall. Maybe it's a team option. Maybe it's mutual. I can't recall. Anyway, there's something in there, but good chance, good chance they'll have calls on Bass, and I think they'll pull the trigger on it. Actually, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. But um, I've kind of lost track of what the point I was making was. Something about the bullpen. Maybe it's better, maybe it's worse. Um, let's talk about Bass. What a turnaround. Yeah, he's been he's been fantastic and and as you said, it in the seventh and the eighth role. But yeah. I mean he had a couple of attempts in the ninth this year and it didn't go well, but mm. they're super small sample sizes. I think if if Tanner Scott I think he's obviously got the job now and yeah. he'll ride with that for a little while. But I think Bass has to be considered next man up. And if you look at how few saves the Marlins actually have, I think Scott must be the leader now with like three or four, maybe five. Um, I think Bender had a few. I think Bender like did he wrap through think six or seven? I don't think he's leading though. I think there oh. was there was a period of time where I think Bass has got one, and at that time, if he'd got a second one, he would have been joint leading for the Marlins. Okay. Uh, there really aren't that many saves floating around there for Marlins relievers. I'm going to go and uh, dig into uh, it now while we're on. I'll yeah, while we're looking out. at that, uh, though, I have got the sprint speeds for Chisholm. There you go. 30. Go on. Uh, Chisholm at 29.3 is slightly above Bertie at 29.1. Wow, that's close, isn't it? It's bloody close. Wow, I didn't expect it to be that close. I just thought, like, I felt Jazz would be quite significantly faster. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what 0.2 of a mile per hour was it? Is that the difference? Yeah, that's the difference between the two of them. There you go. Well, while you've been well, you've brought that to life, and actually, is Jazz is he the fastest? Can you rank it in that order? Um, yeah, if I go back to it, um, well, while so, you do that, I've got the saves leader, mate. It's joint at the moment, joint saves leader with six Bender and Scott. They're joint, Cole Salsa two, Lewis Head one. That's it, no other saves. 
<laughs> so the Marlins thus far they've had what's that? That's 15 saves in total uh, across the across the year. They have won how many games? <laughs> not many, not enough. Um, the Marlins have won 30 games, 15 saves. Bender and Scott, uh, and actually their ERAs. Funny, you know, Bender's ERA 4.5, Tanner Scott 4.67. Um, 16 walks for Scott, five for Bender. You know, um, I guess Scott must have been blowed up. I mean, he's he's played in more games. He's he's pitched more innings too, right? He's pitched like 27 innings versus Bender's 14. So, um, but anyway, we're going off topic here. Um, Scott's the guy. He is the guy now. Yeah, yeah he's got the job at the moment, and um, it's been shaky here and there, but. I mean, that's what you're going to get when you go bargain basement shopping for closers. You know, this was it was a last second uh, transition for the team. You know, yeah, Flora went down, and all of a sudden, it was we haven't even got enough guys to fill out a bullpen, let alone you know the high leverage guys. Yeah, I'm uh, with you. You know, as bad as it has been, imagine if you know that that never occurred. Um, just a little bit on Flora that I think. I think he's just not quite right. Like he was injured and he was away, and he didn't have that long of a, a sort of a rehab. And his, you know, he's a sinker, fastball um, guy. You know, fifty percent of the time, and he's he's lost a couple of miles an hour on on both of those pitches. So I just don't think he's quite ready, or he's not quite right. Yeah, um, maybe he was rushed. Yeah, and and you know, at this point, it's it's already too late. You know, we're we're halfway through the season. As long as he doesn't, you know, nothing goes wrong, and you know, a, a forearm strain here or an elbow strain there. You know, as long as it's healthy, he's going to have to just stick with it and and hope for the best. Yeah. Um, yeah we really sure. are chopping and changing here. But Jazz Chisholm in qualified hitters is an eighth fastest player in baseball. Okay. There you go. That doesn't shock me, to be honest. Um, we are chopping and changing because I'm going back to the bullpen. Um, it's funny when you start digging into numbers live in real time. You should never do that, and I'm not going to do it again. Um, but uh, the Marlins ERA leader right now, it's Williams Astadio, by the way, um, with a zero ERA <laughs> through one inning pitched. Um, but Bassman, the clear standout in the bullpen with a sub two ERA, obviously. Okurt, that I've I've been high on all year, 261 ERA. Yaka is sitting there at 27, clearly in a small sample size. However, the eye test to Yakabonis has been interesting. I've, I've quite liked what I've seen. The stuff looks good. Um, however, you then get into the main bulk of the bullpen arms that we've seen a lot. You know, Cole Solcer just under a four ERA, but then you get into Bender, four and a half ERA, Blyer, four, six, seven, Tanner Scott, four, six, seven, um, Floro, five, four, five, five, forty ERA, Tommy Nance, five, eighty two, Lewis Head, six, thirty five. Zach Pop, 9 ERA. Sean Armstrong, who's long gone, 10 ERA. Like, that's the main bulk of the innings out of the bullpen. And these dudes are all four and a half, five, six ERA dudes. Like, the bullpen hasn't been good. Like, it hasn't. And it particularly hasn't in high leverage. Bass has been good. Um, and that's the, probably the only, the only highlight. But, you know, when you kind of scroll through these numbers, like it's been a real struggle for the pen. They've they've really just, you know, when games are on the line and they're leading games, they've just not performed. They haven't all year all year round. So, 
Sean, we're at 55 minutes. Um, this should be a 25-minute pod, but nevertheless, I thought we'd have to get two episodes worth into one uh, episode. I've missed you, mate. It's great to have you back. And um, it's fair to say we've gone off on a few tangents there, but I don't care. It's my show. So, you know, sometimes we need a tangent. And I, if I'm honest... Fish Across the Pond vibes, It does, it does. It's definitely got Fish Across the Pond vibes. So with that being said, I need to get Lee Dobbs and Rob Newell into the show as well soon, and we'll go full Fish Across the Pond style. The main thing was, though, Sean, I was just trying to test your Wi-Fi, make sure it is up to scratch. Clearly it is. Um, so that's that's a bonus. Guys, that is going to wrap us up for Wednesday's episode of Locked on Marlins. It's a long one. It was a long one. You may not be able to digest this all before, before the game starts. So you may listen to this after game two. We haven't even talked about game two. Pablito's going for the fish. And I am... I was trying to wrap up, but I just want to end on Pablito. Very excited to see what Pablo can do here. I think he got caught by the Mets in that first inning last time out. Wrist felt a bit tentative, maybe. I think it's going to be full go for Pablito. I think Pablito in his head will be thinking, a couple of good starts and I can make the all-star team here. I think that will be in his mind. And I think Pablito against the Rockies, who were dangerous. We've seen it. We've seen it all year long. I think Pablito goes and the Marlins get this game behind less than two earned runs from Pablo Lopez today. Sean Barrett, Pete Pratt, out of here for Locked On Marlins on Wednesday. Back tomorrow, and I'm going to be joined with Locked On Rockies host. We're going to be hopping on post-game to recap the series uh, between the Marlins and Rockies. Until then, guys, enjoy game two. Be back tomorrow.